you all like to follow along in your Bibles, you're more than welcome to, or else the words will be up on the screen. This morning, we'll be reading from the book of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, what an extraordinary gift it is to, to be together this morning. Your children gathered around your word, anxious to hear from you this word of truth, this word of understanding, this word that gives life. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that would come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. Then we ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would be your servants and offer grace to the world. On your behalf, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it seems like no one wanted to talk about it uh, yet today, this morning. I didn't hear any conversation about it in the comments. I didn't hear anything from the platform yet. Last night was nuts. Was I the only one that woke up to that? I mean, I woke up in the four o'clock hour deathly afraid because it sounded as though the lightning and thunder had moved from outside and moved directly into my bedroom. Uh, Okay, so that was just my house. Um, I, guess, I guess that wasn't y'all. It was absolutely insane. I dared not go to the window because I would have been struck by lightning through the window. It was so terrifying. But uh, so anyway, I thought that all of you missed sleep like I did. So I thought we were just going to have a little, little nap time together this morning. Um, no, so... I also want to read for us, and, and before we dig in, the anchor verse for us uh, through this Advent season. It comes to us in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is guiding and directing us as we consider all that God has for us in the gift of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So for the last two weeks, we have walked through what this uh, word about the Messiah, this word about Jesus would be, that he would be Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God. And now we come together around this prophetic uh, description of Jesus, the Christ child, who comes to us on Christmas as everlasting father. That might be a challenge for us. But before we dig in, um, a little commentary. Uh, I have not been a very big fan of the latest Marvel Universe uh, segment. 
Now, granted, I haven't watched Black Panther. I heard it was the best in the whole run. So forgive me for that if I'm offering a poor critique on the whole because I haven't seen the best. So, uh, so you might remember Spider-Man No Way Home came out uh, maybe a year ago. And uh, in it, you could find yourself immensely confused if you just inserted yourself just into that picture uh, and had no context for it. Because in it, we found ourselves confronted with multiple Spider-Men. Is that Spider-Mans? So, so there were multiple sp- people who were Spider-Man, and yet they were, they were different and had the same uh, identity. Uh, they had the same destiny. And, and no matter the multiverse that they were from, they all were Spider-Man. And in that film, they worked together. And I thought that that was the best of the entire uh, Marvel series that we had there. But it could have been confusing, right? Who is Spider-Man? How do you distinguish? How do you differentiate? What is it? that you could, uh, you, you could come to a clear and common understanding of that could help you define what you were encountering. I believe that the critical doctrine of the Trinity can also provide such confusion, confusion for us. Father, Son, Spirit, all God, all distinctive, and yet all one. And from childhood, many of us, I believe, have wrestled with this, and and we profess it, we believe it, but we still uh, grapple to understand it because it is entirely complex, and yet it is entirely critical for us to understand salvation, redemption, reconciliation, for us to fully adopt that that is possible for the world and for us. We need this robust understanding of the Trinity, and we need to understand that this is one God in three persons that there's there's one god in uh, and yet there is uh, there are three persons and these three persons each have one substance one essence and so that consistency about our encounter with god through father son and spirit is there and it permeates all that we know and yet it can be confusing Let me give an example of of how we are to see the consistent uh, and and perpetual engagement of the Trinity in the world. One example in Scripture comes to us in the creation. All three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, are actively engaged and present at creation. The Spirit hovers over the waters. The logos, the, the word made flesh, Jesus is there uh, as the, the, uh, the agent of the voice of God. And, and God the Father also present. These three all engaged at creation. And yet oftentimes we attribute creation just to the Father. That would be foolishness. That would be a misappropriation because we understand that all three persons of the Trinity were actively present and engaged in creation. It is for us a challenge then when we come to a text like this and we hear this prophetic word about who Jesus is. 
And, and, and we hear that, that Jesus is a child, Jesus is a son, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and yet he will be called Everlasting Father. And so what are we to make of this? How, how can we engage it and, and be honest that there is some, some dissonance, some confusion, because we seem to think that these things must be separated, and yet the scriptures are attesting to the fact that they are yet for us one. One God in three persons, son, child, who is also yet father. You see, each of these four prophetic labels all describe the messianic relationship to reality and to humanity, but these messianic labels do not describe the relationship amongst the Trinity. Let me say that again. This messianic label from God through the prophet Isaiah describes the Messiah's relationship to reality and to humanity, not describing the relationship amongst the Trinity. And specifically, when we get to everlasting Father, everlasting Father is describing the Messiah, Jesus' relationship to time and humanity. Jesus' relationship to time and humanity. And so we're going to talk through Everlasting Father, what this means for us uh, when we receive Jesus, the Christ child, into our lives. But we're going to begin with, first, Jesus as Father. Jesus as Father, child, son, and yet Father. ...of what it is for God the Father... And Jesus, who carries those father attributes into the world as he is born, uh, what, he, what he is bringing as a father. In Psalm 103, verses 13 through 17, I invite you to hear again the word of God. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord God has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord God's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. If I was going to invite you to describe the uh, attributes of a father, not just any father, a good father, a, a perfect father, I want you to allow your mind's eye to, to reflect on what those gifts of the father, what the characteristics of the father would be. In this scripture, we hear uh, those characteristics laid out for us. It's not comprehensive, but it is uh, exemplar, exemplary, and we have an opportunity to understand that a good father, father, son, and spirit, God three in one, exemplified in Jesus, the word made flesh, is there for us. This good father, the fatherly characteristics, in verse 13 it said, so the Lord God has compassion 
on those who fear him. God, the Father, as a Father, is compassionate. Fathers out there, this is a good tool for us, for us to to exemplify these holistic, good, fatherly characteristics. We are to be a compassionate Father, just as we have a God who is compassionate as a Father over us. What does it mean to be compassionate? Compassion is to look upon one's pain, one's needs, one's experiences, uh, one's joys, and and to engage uh, in that relationship, to see the needs and to meet the needs as best one can, to be the provider and the caretaker. This is compassion. What does it mean for us to know that God in Jesus Christ is compassionate to us? Another characteristic that it lays out in verse 17, the other two characteristics are both in verse 17. If you have your Bibles, you can underline that. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord has love, love for those who fear him. This is still under that characteristic where God is being described as father, and we know that Jesus is an everlasting father. And if we know Jesus is an everlasting father, then Jesus is love. He has love for us. And we as fathers are to be loving, and we as children of God are to know that God has love for us. Now, sometimes we feel unlovable. We have a sense that we are not worthy of that grand gesture from God. And how would a God, a God of heaven and earth, have love for me, one of a billion And yet, maybe the least of a billion, we think, at times. And yet, God the Father in Jesus Christ loves you. I mean, it's exemplified in the fact that God took on flesh to to be born in a manger as a child, a a human, fully human for us to take on our sin and death. God's love is exemplified in Jesus. And so it's easy for us to see that this love come down on Christmas is for us an attribute of the Father. And then lastly, the lastly it says, and God's righteousness is with their children and their children's children. God's righteousness. A good father gives the best gift they can provide. The greatest gift that God the Father could give any of us is God's own righteousness. That, that, that we cannot achieve on our own, that, that, that we can't grow into, that we can't follow the law perfectly enough, that, that we can't achieve, and yet God gives it to us. God has no greater gift than to give us righteousness through the gift of his Son, Jesus Christ. And so when we hear that Jesus is Father, Jesus is an everlasting Father, we are to not uh, be confused by the interconnectedness of the Trinity, but we're to rather understand that that speaks to the relationship that God has with us as his creation, as humanity. That as a father, Jesus comes in compassion, 
in love to give and provide the best gift of all, righteousness being made in right relationship with God. This is Jesus as Father. Now, I'm going to challenge you a little bit because I, I know that when God took on flesh in Jesus Christ, it was a baby in a manger. And whenever we see babies, we don't see Father. And yet, that is what the scriptures are attesting to. That Jesus is carrying the attributes of the Father even as a newborn babe for you and for me. Jesus is an everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Now, for us, we are, it is ingrained within us that things have a beginning uh, and things have an end. We see the grandest of trees. Uh, think of the largest tree you've ever seen. There's a pecan tree just outside of Wharton, Texas. And my entire family went out there and we all held arm in arm, hand in hand, all the way around. And we couldn't even reach around this pecan tree. And yet, we all know that every tree had a beginning. We might be able to document its length of years, but it had a beginning. And sadly, in creation, it will also have an end. Things have a beginning and things have an end. We can think about uh, churches and how old a church is. I've been struck by that recently because I've been hearing from churches that are 155 years old, 160 years old, and I feel like a newborn babe over here at Covenant with an 11-year-old church, right? Uh, it, we're just a baby church. And, and buildings, buildings have beginnings. And you might say that when the foundation is poured, it's framed up and the footings are dug and, and everything is prepared. And when that concrete truck comes out and the foundation is poured, that is, would be the beginning of the legacy that takes place in that building. Whether it's a home or a church or a business, there is a beginning. It's natural for us to have that reflection, to think about things that have beginnings. And we even know that people have beginnings. We call them birthdays. And we look upon those birthdays and we celebrate that new beginning and we honor those seasons of life because there is a precious start there. And yet, Jesus the word made flesh uh, is pre-existent and eternally existent. Jesus is pre-existent and eternally existent. He is eternal. Now, we might think that Jesus was born and, and laid in a manger. We might think that Jesus died on a cross and he rose and was ascended. But we need to really examine our understanding of Jesus' uh, longevity of impact and experience for us to fully grasp what it means that Jesus came for us Whenever we hear from Jesus in John chapter 17, by the way, if you have a red letter Bible, what we read from John 17 is all in red. These are Jesus's own words. 
and he's meeting with his disciples. He's moving from the upper room where they just had communion over to the Mount of Olives where he would be betrayed. And this is one of the longest teachings that we have from Jesus. And in this, he describes uh, uh, what God is bringing forth for us through his sacrifice And we have a glimpse into Jesus' holistic understanding of who he is for you and for me. For you and for me. First of all, Jesus articulates that he was, uh, that he existed before he was physically born. In John 17, verse 5, Jesus says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I I mean, we, we do not need to miss this. Jesus is clearly saying that he was one with God before the creation of the world. And this is a gift for us to know that that Jesus' beginning was not when he took on flesh on Christmas. Rather, Jesus' beginning preexisted anything that we know has begun. Jesus has always been one with the Father and is, in fact, everlasting. Oftentimes, we think of everlasting as only that timeline moving forward. And yet, we articulate in the holy mystery uh, that, that, that Jesus also extends beyond into the past. So there is and will never be a time that exists outside of Jesus. Pre-existent. Jesus articulates that he is everlasting with God from before the world began. And then Jesus also gives clarity that that his his identity as the, the, the Son of God, as the Messiah, as God himself will continue on into eternity because he is the one that is able to gift that. He has what he is able to give. I would love to give my wife a million dollars on Christmas. I would love to give her a brand new uh, Infinity SUV for Christmas. I have neither of those things, so I cannot give them to her. If anyone wants to help out. No, I'm joking. (laughs) You know, Jesus is able to give what he already has. And so in, in chapter 17, verse 3, when it says, You granted me, the Son, Jesus, authority, you as God. God granted Jesus authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given to him. Jesus has eternal life. Jesus will exist for eternity. And Jesus is able to give you and me access to that eternity as well. What a a profound, glorious gift that, that Jesus gives us. But it begins with the fact that Jesus has that gift to give. One who has eternally existed and will eternally exist 
into the future has the ability to give you and I this gift of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. This is the heart of our gospel. That the gift of God in Jesus Christ makes a way through Jesus' righteousness that he took on our flesh and sin. And when we believe in him, we receive eternity. And we shall not diminish how extraordinary that is. You and I spend lots of time trying to prolong life or, uh, or, or find a glimpses of eternity through our own flesh and blood. Sometimes we, we are workout warriors in January. Uh, sometimes we are health nuts and we, we eat appropriately. Uh, we're trying to find ways, it seems, especially when we're confronted with our own lack of health and our own mortality, then all of a sudden we're like cranking it up in order to try to, and try to prolong this thing out further. We want to live as long as we can. We, we talk about uh, having, having legacies that last beyond us. We're wondering, uh, can I give an inheritance that matters beyond me? Can I set an endowment that has impact beyond me? Can I do something significant that will, that will reach and last far beyond my own temporal state? We want to have a broader, longer-reaching impact and yet we look in all the wrong places. It's not about how long you and I can get, get more years out of these flesh and bones. The only one that actually has the capacity to make a real dent in this temporal matter is Jesus. For eternity is a long, long, long time. And if I cut back on Dr. Pepper, I might get a year or two. But that's but a blink of an eye with regard to eternity. Jesus is Father from birth through death. Jesus is Father. Jesus bore no children, and yet he bore countless children as we are sons and daughters of the most high god jesus is everlasting 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 and jesus invites us into his everlasting nature this christmas let us look upon jesus afresh and wonder in his majesty that he would meet us and he would look upon us and say, I want eternity for you as well. I came so that it might be yours. Trust in me. Walk with me. Serve with me. And in so doing, receive eternal life with me forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, what an extraordinary gift we have in Jesus.
Thank you, O God, for your Son, our Savior. We thank you that you are uh, more than we can truly understand. You are Father, Son, and Spirit. You are in heaven, on earth, and in us. And still yet, you carry all of your attributes in all things, in all persons. And so we ask, O God, that you would now convict us, give us a heart to receive you, to receive you afresh and anew this Christmas. We invite you in, and we call upon you as Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.